From Troy Public Radio, I'm Tim Phillips, and this is Clarinet Corner. Today on the show, I have a guest, Jonathan Kohler, who has a new CD, Kohler Plays and Conducts Mozart, and it features the Mozart Clarinet Concerto and um, some other uh, pieces that are very beautifully put together. Thank you, Jonathan, for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate it. Well, the first thing I noticed about this uh, this CD was the massive amount of preparation that went into it, um, both from an artistic-slash-musical perspective, but also from a musicological perspective, um, because your, uh, your book is incredibly thorough, and you kind of chronicle Mozart's last days, because these pieces contained on this CD are, are, were kind of from his last year or his last years. Yes, um, a- absolutely. The, the clarinet concerto is one of the last pieces. You know, he finished that on October 7th, I think it was. It was a Friday. And he died on December 5th. So what? So that less than two months later after he finished writing this concerto. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 works, the, er, the works are from his last 10 years, but the magic flute and the overture and the concerto are both from his last year. And the symphony is from about nine years before, mm-hmm. and the uh, the 35th symphony, and then also on here is the um, the Don Giovanni, which is a few years after that. So, right, Mozart's. So it's, it's kind of a representation of his his best stuff from. His yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think I feel like these are uh, some of his best pieces. And um, when I when I was in Prague a few years ago, I I made it a point to go to the Mozart Theater where I had heard that the clarinet concerto had been premiered and some other uh, very famous pieces um, had been premiered there. And I, I kind of want you to walk me through Mozart's connection to the city of Prague. He finished writing it on the 7th, okay? And then his mm-hmm. buddy Stadler had a concert that he organized himself like the next week in Prague. And uh, let me see, I my notes here. Yeah, it was on Sunday, October 16th. So we know Mozart writing the third movement on Friday, October 7th. Mm-hmm. And on Sunday, October 16th, Stadler had a concert at the theater. And we're not, we don't know for absolute sure, but we're pretty sure that that's where the concerto was premiered. And it was at the National Theater. And the reason we know this is because there's um, an application to the police department there for a permit for the concert and so forth and so on, you know. So mm-hmm. we don't have an actual program of the concert, but most scholars believe that, yeah, that was the premiere of the Mozart concert. If you can believe that, imagine you got a new piece from Mozart on Friday <laughs> and the next Sunday you had to premiere it in public. Yeah, that is is pretty incredible. I know that Mozart was very uh, taken with the clarinet playing of Stadler, and, you know, he, he had a great admiration for that. Um, but what I find maybe most interesting about that story is what a bad friend Stadler was to Mozart. <laughs> I mean, they were oh, both, absolutely. Yeah, they were both absolutely, Freemasons, yeah. and they had this this uh, this friendship, but it was just not a very good one. <laughs> well, Stadler was was kind of a charlatan because you know in the Freemasons, one of the main reasons people joined the Freemasons is because it was a nice club. And they had a tradition of helping each other out. So the business of people loaning each other money in the Freemasons was a very common thing. They loaned each other money. They would put each other up at their house. They would, you know, support them when they came into town, that kind of thing. So Mozart both got loans from other Freemasons and gave loans to other Freemasons. 
But in Stadler's case, he ended up not repaying several loans. And he also, so when Mozart died, um, he hadn't repaid him. And he also went around claiming that he had made these clarinets that were actually made by another guy named Theodore Lotz. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's pretty clear that he never paid him either. Oh. And so, yeah, the Stadler was a bit of a, a bit of a charlatan, as they say. Well, and I had always heard that that uh, that he borrowed money from Mozart, but I didn't know exactly how much money that was until I read the liner notes to this CD. It was 500 ducats. Is that right? Yeah. And then that translates to roughly $10,000 today, it, which is significant. Yeah, if, if you, oh, yeah, it's significant change. You see, because in those days... There weren't banks, there weren't credit cards. Maybe there were banks, but they weren't commonly used. There weren't credit cards. There wasn't easy ways of sort of making your cash flow smooth. Mm-hmm. And so people got hunks of money, and when they needed money, they would borrow from someone else and say, look, when I get my next big hunk of money, I'll pay you back. And so there's lots of letters towards the end of Mozart's life talking about that, and people conjecture that he was so poor. He wasn't poor at all when he died. He was making money, and he had all kinds of huge things actually lined up when he died. But... Um, but then he died, and of course, once you die, you can't make much money. So, right. so, so his his widow went around selling his music and doing benefit concerts to to make money off of his music to support herself. Wow! And I know there are so many different editions of the Mozart Concerto, and I had heard that that was because we don't really have the manuscript copy of the concerto because Stadler had it, and he lost it or sold it or something, right? Yeah, it's mo- it's most likely that that Stadler lost it. Um, so there's some conjecture that it was on the tour that he embarked on uh, shortly after Mozart's death, where he went through uh, Germany and uh, the Baltic states and did a whole bunch of concerts. And in fact, there's a letter from from his wife, Constanze, at one point saying that he had a bunch of things in a suitcase that he sold. Mm-hmm. And there's some thought that some of the music was lost in that suitcase that he sold uh, during this t- trip. But what we do have is we have um, some two very interesting things that survive. One is a rue from 1801, I think, or 01 or 02, I forget. If I look at my notes here, I'll find it. But um, mm-hmm. where the reviewer was reviewing a manuscript copy of the piece. Now, in the review, the reviewer says, I have it right in front of me. And second of all, he says he gives several examples in handwriting of the score showing the low notes in the Bassett clarinet. Mm-hmm. So we know that he had this score. We know that he knew about that. And he, he remarked on how important these low notes were. And he gave several examples of the passage. And the reason he did that is because he was reviewing the first publication from Breitkopf of the concerto in which the publisher had already changed the clarinet part. Oh, okay. Because other people didn't, other people didn't have clarinet, uh, the the extended clarinets that Lotz made for Stadler, and mm-hmm. so the, he was remarking that this is not such a great thing. And then that same year and the following year, in eighteen one or eighteen o two, three other publishers also came out with it, and they all published the changed clarinet part mm-hmm. right for- from the get go. Even though they the the original score existed, and they knew that that was wrong. Right. But that's that's how the whole history of the wrong part started. Well, you have uh, a very authentic recording here because you you use the Bassett clarinet, and uh, I had a, a really fun time listening to it because um, 
you know, I was raised on the Robert Marcellus recording of the Mozart Concerto. That's the first CD I ever bought. And the only reason I bought it is because it said great performances. And I was like, I want to hear a great performance. So that's why I bought it. That was my <laughs> only information about it at the time. And uh, true to form from the like 1960s, 70s, um, this is a very, the one that I listened to when I was young is a very uh, straightforward uh, recording of a, uh, somebody playing an A clarinet and playing basically the music that's on the page. Now yours is you're playing a Bassett clarinet and uh, and you do stuff. You do different things, which I love. I think uh, if anybody uh, listening is familiar with the Mozart clarinet concerto, uh, then this is going to be uh, a new take on it. And it's um, it's with your Jonathan Kohler stamp on this performance. So we're going to go ahead and listen to the last movement of the clarinet concerto, the Rondo Allegro, and this uh, features clarinet. Jonathan Kohler playing the Bassett clarinet and the Anima Musicae Chamber Orchestra. That was the third movement of the Mozart Clarinet Concerto K622, performed by Jonathan Kohler on the Bassett Clarinet with the Anima Musicae Chamber Orchestra. And I have Jonathan here today. Now, for any clarinetists that are listening to this, can they buy your version with those ornamentations and various things? Absolutely. I have, um, when I did this project, you said it, it took a long time. Actually, it sort of took my entire life but mm -hmm. uh, to yeah. come to this point. But I decided I had to do something special. So I not only published the CD, I published an entire new edition of the concerto, not just the clarinet part, but the entire orchestra part and the score. Yeah. And so in there, I include the exact Eingangs that I played, which in a concert I would normally improvise to a large degree. Mm -hmm. But since I was making a recording, if, you, if you're making a recording and you want to have multiple takes so that you can do an edit, you have to play it the same every time, otherwise you can't edit, right? Right. So, yeah. so I decided ahead of time what I would do for the recording, and I wrote that out exactly how I was going to do it. And that's what's on the recording, and that's exactly in the, in the music, too. So if you want to have, you have the part to exactly what I did. Other ornamentations that are, uh, you know, just little ornamentations and things, those are written right into the part. Mm -hmm. So everything in the clarinet part, and even in some of the string parts, there are some ornamentations. It's all written right into the part. Wow. So if you get my new edition with either the clarinet part or the score, the full set of parts, it goes exactly with that CD. Awesome. So this is, a, this is very good, especially around Christmas time. Uh, a lot of students and uh, professionals alike are looking for gift recommendations, and this should definitely be on the list. Um, I Actually, Absolutely. I didn't realize that you were a conductor <laughs> until um, listening to the CD, and um, you one of the pieces that you recorded is the Overture of the Magic Flute, which um, is uh, one of the, my favorite pieces. I think, I think it's the first piece I ever played in a, in a real orchestra. And um, there are some connections between uh, the, all of the late Mozart works and, and Freemason symbols. Is that true? 
absolutely yeah mozart was very much into the into symbology and um the sort of the mystic nature of of the whole thing and the freemasons it was like a, a very close tight-knit club he wrote music for it in fact one of the last pieces he did was a, a uh, like a cantata in fact it, i think it was around november 15th they performed it at a celebration at the lodge and that's where he got sick and he was in bed oh. sick to, until he died on december 5th so it was, it was that was probably the last piece that he performed was this piece that he wrote for the masons um but yeah the the they have all kinds of symbols, like the number three and, and zillions of you. Just Google Freemason symbols and you'll see mm -hmm. they're very into symbols. And this piece, the magic flute, is full of them. Wow. Absolutely full of these symbols. Well, it's a uh, it's a great opera. But uh, let's listen to this is a different different opera. But the Overture to the Magic Flute, uh, KV 620 by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, conducted by Jonathan Kohler. And this is the Anima Musicae Chamber Orchestra. And that was the Overture to the Magic Flute, KV620, performed by the Anima Musicae Chamber Orchestra, conducted by Jonathan Kohler. And we're talking about his uh, his new CD, which features uh, him conducting some works by Mozart and playing the Mozart Clarinet Concerto on the Bassett Clarinet with his own uh, special imprint. So um, this CD c uh, contains the Overture to Don Giovanni, uh, Symphony Number no. 35 in D Major, the Hofner Symphony, and uh, and, a, and a very th uh, thorough book of uh, explanation kind of chronicling the last days of Mozart's life. So, Jonathan, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Anytime. You've been listening to Clarinet Corner, a production of Troy Public Radio and produced by Joey Hudson. I'm Tim Phillips, and there's a lot more where that came from. This is Troy Public Radio.